back to another episode of the Pats Podcast, a show where we spotlight the extraordinary efforts and careers of athletic trainers in the state of Pennsylvania, while also continuing to advocate for our profession across the country. My name is Jason Kopeck, clinical athletic trainer and faculty member at Westchester University. I'm proud to be back here with you today. As we've done over the last couple episodes, um, we've, like I said, been spotlighting some of the athletic trainers that we've had a chance to sit down and talk with. And one of the uh, avenues that I wanted to take this uh, podcast with was really showcasing the work of the subcommittees of PAT. So a few episodes ago, we had our president, Nikki Katana, on, where she gave us a State of the Union. And happy today to be joined by Dr. Wendy Wheeler out of Millersville University, um, who is the head of our college and university subcommittee within PATS. Wendy, thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to uh, spread the news today. <laughs> yeah, And like most things so far, I, I appreciate you working with me in terms of uh, being able to nail down a time. Like I kind of said in our emails, right? Like this is, isn't our full-time job, so we have other things to do. And uh, I appreciate you kind of working with us on that. Absolutely. Well, um, we've talked about one of the insurmountable uh, obstacles for being a university or college athletic trainer really is your time and being able to find time in your day to do kind of this stuff and this advocacy and the things that you you want to do to move the profession ahead. So, no, I appreciate you reaching out and being so flexible. (laughs) Wendy, let's talk uh, current events before we get into anything else. So as we sit here, uh, uh, September 7th, we're in the midst of a, a pretty big heat wave. So how have you and your staff been able to kind of accommodate the changes with that because that was part uh, that was part of the reason why we had a hard time nailing down the time absolutely yeah. when you schedule change on a dime and yeah. it changes based on the weather right. literally based on the weather yeah. so um for us it's just all about that flexibility and how how can i alter my day not just uh, my professional life but also my personal life to do the best for my my student athletes to make sure that they're safe uh for us at millersville university um obviously facing those significant heat challenges but also facing um availability of our resources. So our field availability or our gym availability, um, you know, had to be altered based on this weather. Mm -hmm. Uh, We did We did, you know, we bookend things. So we moved practices to very early in the morning or we made them very late at night. Uh, We we, we even had to move our indoor participation. So, Mm -hmm. you know, currently we have basketballs practicing Mm -hmm. in their their four-hour-a-week time slot, volleyball playing. We don't have an air-conditioned facility. So Mm -hmm. it is not climate-controlled right now, and it is uh, probably 92 degrees in our gym right now. So the safety of our student-athletes was paramount move those practices to early morning or later in the evening, even moving a location. So utilizing some of our local high yeah. schools uh, that do have air conditioned facilities to, wow. to move some of those practices to. So just a matter of being flexible and uh, how we could cover for each other. Um, so it may not be providing the service of care that we typically would provide, but how can we help each other out and manage through the system? So right. uh, yeah. we've gotten it done. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have a Kestrel in my pocket at all times, right. I think. So. <laughs> Wendy, to back up a little bit further, too, so I, I always like the guests to, you know, take a few minutes. So, you know, would you mind sharing your story about, um, you know, how, how you got into the profession, you know, your education coming through and, you know, how you ended up where you are today at Millersville? 
Sure. Well, um, you know, I started in athletic training when I was in high school. My sister is in athletic training. Actually, she was the uh, former state president of the state of West Virginia for athletic wow. training. Uh, she was integral in getting licensure for the state of West Virginia. I'm mm-hmm. super, super proud of her. Was in the Hall of Fame this year. So she wow. clearly was a ginormous influence for me <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, becoming an athletic trainer and like moving forward in this profession. Uh, because of that, I, I was able to go to, I went to the athletic training camps back in the day. Wow. I'm super old yeah. <laughs> so uh and then uh university of kentucky put on athletic training camp so i was fortunate enough to go to those and got a little bit of exposure into what athletic training was super early yeah. um because of that i ended up with and this was back in the internship days because mm-hmm. university of kentucky didn't have an undergraduate program um you did major in athletic training. So my major was kinesiology and exercise science. So I double majored in those um, sciences, which really helped me in my career because I fall back on basic science all the time, Uh, especially with, you know, my treatments, my, my rehabs, any type of new modality that I'm looking at. I'm really looking at it from a science based and not necessarily an athletic training, but more from like, how is this going to affect the human body, which I think that gave me an advantage. Uh, It's probably why I'm such an advocate for for moving to an entry-level master's. Um, so University of Kentucky was my undergraduate school. I did have the opportunity to work as a uh, an intern uh, mm-hmm. at University of Kentucky and, you know, had a great experience there. Um, got my master's degree from West Virginia University. Kind of figured, well, if I'm going to be an athletic trainer, I should get a degree in mm-hmm. athletic training. And West Virginia had the advanced track. So I, I took that degree from WVU. Um, and my first job out of school was at a Division three school uh, in Maryland. Mm-hmm. I was there a year but the salary, I loved the job. It was wonderful, but the salary was so limiting um, that I had, I had to look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was really just not survivable. And when you see those salaries continuing, this was, you know, almost 20 years ago now. um, And like the salary for some of these positions has not changed. Mm -hmm. Uh, So obviously that's something that we're struggling against. I had to leave this great position that I really enjoyed just because it wasn't financially, uh, you know, viable. Uh, So then I found the uh, Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference and being a faculty member here, definitely we're we're in a union and we have um, some expectations, but we also have some support uh, that is unique to athletic training. Uh, so going to East Stroudsburg University, I was there for 12 years. Uh, while I was there, we went through some restructuring and some other things that just challenged you as a professional. Um, we eventually ended up uh, where I had summers off. So I went yeah. from a 12 month contract to a nine month contract or 10 month contract at but that move allowed me to pursue a doctorate. Mm-hmm. And around that time, I was kind of having that crisis of conscience, like, am I really doing anything? Or if I'm, I, am I just putting these kids back in the meat grinder? Like, mm-hmm. what am I really doing as an athletic trainer? Uh, so I look towards how do I, like, I want to make people better. Mm-hmm. And what is my definition of better? Uh, and through that process of kind of that internal, like how, like, what am I doing as a professional? I found the doctoral program at University of Idaho. Um, now, this was a brand new program. So this mm-hmm. is in uh, 2011. Uh, University of Idaho started the doctoral, uh, the doctorate of athletic training. So it's the first doctorate of athletic training in the country, in the world, really. Uh, and I was really fortunate enough to be a plank owner in that program. So I was one of the original students in that doctor of athletic training went through that program changed my entire outlook yeah. <laughs> on her profession um and slowing down my practice and slowing down my my clinical work i was able to really free up time so mm-hmm. i was i'm much more efficient in 
what I do, how I deliver services. Uh, I'm much more organized, but I'm, I look at every single patient as like a small little case study mm-hmm. and how can we make this better? How can we improve this? And what is our definition of better? So yeah. looking at patient outcomes and clinical outcomes and how can we move the needle on those outcomes for not only that individual patient, but all patients that we provide care for. And it's really uh, benefited me. So that was my doctorate, which uh, has been great. Um, I left ESU uh, in 2007. And a lot of it, again, because of, you know, staffing issues and overwhelm um, uh, left the, you know, the clinical athletic training or the the university and college setting, um, worked in a hospital for a while, worked with a chiropractor for a little while, and it just wasn't it for me. It wasn't the thing that really moved me forward in the prevention. It it didn't, uh, it wasn't the setting that that really fit me. Now, mind you, it did fit my personal life a lot better yeah. than my family, but it was uh, it was a lot harder for me to like uh, take interest, and it wasn't as motivating for me. So when I found the uh, opportunity at Millersville University, uh, I jumped on it, and my um, my kids and I moved back to Lancaster, mm-hmm. uh, and we've been here since, and really have have found a groove here. It's a nice, um, you know, Division Two is is a great setting where you get elite athletes, uh, you get high level competition. But these kids are going to be teachers and police officers and doctors and lawyers and something other than their sport. Uh, So you get to look at it from a holistic approach, which I really enjoy. Uh, on top of that, mm-hmm. most evenings I'm at home with my kids, yeah. uh, which really, yeah. which really is great. <laughs> so yeah, so it helps you kind of like see the profession in a long term attainable. This is sustainable as a practice, not uh, you know terribly overwhelming. So uh, that's I really like yeah. it here. So <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a perfect segue. So your your yeah. clinical experience makes sense while you're the chairperson of the subcommittee for the for the college and university. So I. I um, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to catch you off guard here with this question, yeah. but is, do you know the history of this subcommittee, you know, how it was formed and, you know, for what reason, um, and then like also your involvement and how you got started with this committee? So I'm not terribly clear on the history of the subcommittee. Mm-hmm. Um, what I can tell you is, uh, it has kind of limped along. College and university is, is the largest, if not the second largest employment setting of athletic mm-hmm. trainers in the state of Pennsylvania. Yeah. I think we're right behind secondary schools right now. Okay. Um, they, they're a little different because some of them are outreach and some of them are employed by schools. Sure. So their numbers are a little skewed. College and university, gen, uh, generally speaking, are employed by the universities. Um, some of us are outreach, but yeah. um, the majority of us are, are hired by the college and university mm-hmm. because it's such a large number of professionals in this traditional based setting, I do think the subcommittee is exceptionally valuable. Mm-hmm. It it does represent a good portion of our PATS members. Yeah. Um, and I know that uh, the, the biggest challenge that we've had is as the years have gone on, and you can see it from like the previous, uh, the people who ran this uh, committee previously and how things have moved, as our role as clinical athletic trainers have expanded. Uh, so our, you know, the Arrington settlement mm-hmm. increased our workload, lights right. and turf have increased our workload. Our workload has maintained a steady incline where our um, off seasons, you know, yes. Yeah, oh yes. Yeah. You know, we were just talking about basketball practicing yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, and this yeah. is, it's, you know, just the beginning of September. So having those expanded seasons, having that backlash from COVID where we're now allowing these practice sessions or we're now allowing 
allowing team activities to expand, all of that increases workload and demand on those clinical athletic trainers. So looking at that, I know that we have kind of limped along on how can we help each other, Mm -hmm. but also how do we have the time to do this stuff as a group. Um, and that's been a significant challenge for me. I was actually approached uh, by Nikki at a basketball game. And it, it, I think it was because of my uh, willingness to share resources. Um, you know, and we're, I'm very fortunate to be in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference and have the group of athletic trainers that we have in the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference. And I know you're a little new to us, right. <laughs> uh, but, but uh, I, I think I've been in the Pennsylvania, between East Stroudsburg and here, I've been in this conference um, for, gosh, 18 years now. So having that experience in the conference, we are a very close knit group of group of people. So if I see, I know a visiting athlete comes here, they're going to be treated exactly how my athletes are going to be treated. We're not competitive within each other. Obviously our sports teams are competitive, but inside our little group, I know that I can call Wes at Chippensburg and I can call Jason at Westchester and I can call Colleen at East Stroudsburg University and they're going to provide the absolute best care for my student athletes. Uh, Just yesterday calling Jack at Kutztown and knowing that he is going to care for my student athletes the exact same way that I would for his is here mm-hmm. is a huge benefit and really helps take that workload and using that idea that we have that collegiality that teamwork effort that we have within our conference and expanding it to the state and moving not just in our conference but other college and university athletic trainers no matter what div- division no matter what level you know we we're looking at juco athletic trainers we're looking at um nccaa athletic trainers we're looking at those who are competing um in different conferences maybe even in you know not for ncaa but you know in other whole realms um and expanding that out to we're all working in the same setting and how do we support each other through that setting um where we can like maybe take a look at salaries or job descriptions, maybe look at uh, work requirements or staffing things and, and approach it from a team approach. I don't know how many times I've been approached by another athletic trainer saying, you know, we've been asking administration to give us more help to hire another person. How were you guys able to do this? And then, or how are you guys managing you know, now we're we're physically covering um, sports that we didn't we could have just put a radio out there. Now we need to be there. Um, so how are you doing that? And being able to work together to solve those problems, I'm hoping will take a little bit of demand off everybody's shoulders. Um, so when Nikki approached me to do it, I said, well, if I can stand a chance to get it done, I, I would like to give it a shot. So here I am. Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and so you were kind of leaning into that. So, you know, uh, mm-hmm. work shortages, demands, yes. what are, what are the, some of the challenges that, you know, those of us employed at a college or university setting are, are facing? I'm assuming there's yeah. more than just that. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, um, I think that that is, uh, that's what you see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, not just, uh, we've been, our work demands have increased. Our staffing has not. Mm-hmm. In fact, our staffing has decreased. When you look at people who are saying we can't hire athletic trainers or athletic trainers aren't even applying for these jobs. It's hard for administration to take a hard look at themselves and saying, what are we asking these people to do? Our work demands are higher, but our salaries are stagnant. Our work demands are higher, but our our staffing is stagnant or decreasing. Um, So why are these trucks these problems happening. Um, and I do think as salaries increase, um, as staffing increase, obviously the, the challenges that go forward, there is 
having COVID happen and, you know, having this transition. Uh, so you hear people say, oh, nobody wants to work anymore. Well, it's not sustainable to to maintain the workload that's kind of expected of those of us who are still in this position. Um, little things, and we were just speaking about it this morning to my my uh, my coworkers, little things like a change in the NCAA regulation that now lets um, sports teams practice earlier, the ripple effect of that, that's one more week of concussions, one more week of ankle sprains, one more week of rehab that you're adding to the workload of these athletic trainers that are already stretched very, very thin. Um, you know, I myself have, I have two fall sports. So when one sport's not competing, the other one is. If somebody else is out of town, which I do not have the ability to travel with them. I'm depending on other athletic trainers. Now they're taking on load. So a visiting team coming in. Right. So as our demands have increased, we really have not addressed those. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> another another issue to add on top of that is our requirements, our best practices. Every single one of us wants to do what's best for our mm-hmm. student athletes. But it is not easy to incorporate those type of procedures. So just recently we've, we've, uh, we are updating our concussion protocols and our concussion return to play. And based on the best advice that we just got this summer, you know, those, those recommendations were just released. So now how do we incorporate even more testing, even more screening, even more requirements, even more physical activity? Um, how do we incorporate that in an already very, very busy practice? How do we do the best for our student athletes, maintain those high principles, maintain those regulations, making sure that we're doing the best we can when we barely have time to even read or uh, sit down and do that continuing ed- education that's going to to move us forward. We can't not do it, but at the same time, I can tell you uh, for the last three days, I've been in the office at, and uh, every athletic trainer that's listening to this can absolutely say it. I've been in the office at 5 a.m. Uh, for the last, you know, three days. And uh, I've had 11, 12 hour days, even shift working it, coming in, leaving, coming back um, because of, you know, the weather change and how we had to incorporate this. I can no longer, I can't do soccer and volleyball at the same time because volleyball chose to go early, soccer chose to go late. So now, okay, here's here's what this is. So just having that change, okay, and it's something that's best for our student athletes. But now, how am I going to incorporate? I was going to take the time to work on, you know, changing our concussion regulations or take that time to speak to Jason about on his podcast. Mm-hmm. And now it has to shift and change. And how am sure. I going to incorporate that in my day? I feel like um, when we're doing that moving forward, even finding committee members, people who are saying, I, I can commit to this or I have time to do it or I can meet with somebody at mm-hmm. some point in time, specifically in the fall, has been an exceptional challenge. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> it's tough out there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, the, the, the issues that you just mentioned, um, mm-hmm. and there's a number of them, I mean, oh, yeah. in, in, in your mind, I mean, how are they received by administration? I mean, are they are they being heard or are they are they genuinely being understood? Uh, I do think it's it's situational based. Mm-hmm. I do think administration understands mm-hmm. what they're asking athletic trainers to do. I, I think they understand it. Yeah. Um, but I also feel like the path of re- least resistance is probably the one that a lot of administrators are taking. Mm-hmm. So if the and, and as athletic trainers, a lot of this is our own fault, which is a hard pill to swallow. Sure. If we're going to be there 
when they're asking us to be there, regardless of the effect that it takes on our personal life. If we're going to make these changes, if we're going to change our schedules, then that is now, well, we can expect the athletic trainers to change their schedules. Or we can expect this to happen because we've already done it. And you think, well, I'm going to say yes this time. uh, And then they'll know that that this is my limit. And we're already saturated. Uh, So, uh, but when we stand up and say, no, we can't do it, or no, we're, this is what, how we're going to do it, or this is it, – it sends that message. And we, I think all clinical athletic trainers, you don't get into this job um, being concerned for yourself. So we right. <laughs> typically – uh, we, you know, we, we are easily take advantage of, I think, as a group. So yeah. I think being able to have those conversations with your administrators ahead of time and saying this is the line – don't ask me to do it because if you do, I'm probably going to say yes, but I'm then the repercussions of that. I'm going to be more tired. I'm going to have a harder time in my clinical practice. This it's going to suffer somewhere else. Yeah. So being mindful of saying, well, I have to say no here. Um, and you know, it's a no win situation. I have to mm-hmm. say no to somebody at some point in time and you can't make everybody happy. Right. <laughs> Once, sure. Especially in this role, we rarely make anybody happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it is, uh, it adds that extra challenge. I do think they understand it. When you sit down and have conversations with administrators, they're like, oh no, our athletic trainers are, are exceptionally hardworking. We value them. We know what they're doing. We see what they're doing, but actually taking that next step to okay, we need to allocate to hire another athletic trainer, or we need to make sure our coaches aren't rescheduling practices or backing up our athletic trainers when they say no to covering that changed practice time. Um, I think that step, it's easier to just kind of, okay, well, they're going to do it anyway, so Mm -hmm. just let them do it, than it is to stop and say, okay, well, we need to protect these people because they're not typically going to protect themselves. Yeah. Like we do for athletes, right? We're there to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wendy, I'm not sure how you know, how long you've been in this role with the committee. So I I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're on like a timed, you know, two year uh, basis here, but in, in your role right now, what, what is your ultimate goal with this committee? Um, Mm -hmm. In a perfect world, like what are you hoping is the outcome? (laughs) And obviously there's a lot of challenges to overcome, but what what are you hoping to achieve in your time as the chair of this committee? Gotcha. And my time, and um, I'm not sure, I think it's, it's, I can serve as long as I'm willing to serve. I, was, and I'm I, had, that, I had that feeling that you might be doing this until somebody steps in and takes it. From yeah. you. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm hoping to retire in yeah. about 15, 20 years. Yeah. So maybe somebody will do yeah. it there. Um, and I'm happy to serve as long as I can keep moving forward yeah. and be a value. Yeah. Um, my ultimate goal would would be to have a clinical athletic trainer on the committee that's representing all of those various fields, like whether it's division one, division two, division three, non NCAA have all of those athletic trainers represented and then be able to share resources. I would love to have, um, whether it's a blog, whether it's, um, you know, a Google doc, Mm -hmm. whether it's something that we can, we can archive and save, this is how we did it. Please feel free to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of um, there's there's a lot of athletic trainers who who need those resources, who would mm-hmm. love to access sure. this. I've had that. I mean, we one of my my major responsibilities are things that I've really been able to manage well with athletic trainers reaching out, saying 
what is your SOP look like? Mm -hmm. What is your emergency plan look like? If we have a template, Mm -hmm. and how many times do we say it? No need to reinvent the wheel. Um, And, you know, and you'll know within our conference, within the the PSAC athletic trainers, when COVID happened, when heat illness happens, we're we're calling each other saying, Mm -hmm. what's your plan? Where are you at? And using those resources so we're all on the same page. I would love to see that extended out where where somebody like um you know somebody at FNM that's right here in Lancaster would would be able to reach out and say yeah. we're you we have the same health uh, codes we have the same health department in this area we're working under the same regulations what are you guys doing yeah. um, and then be able to share those resources and part of that is just knowing each other being comfortable with each other having contact with each other mm-hmm. having that resource that you know that athletic trainer in town you know that athletic trainer that's in your conference you know that athletic trainer that that maybe is in the same county and you have the ability to, to work as a group and work together so even in that submit committee really having uh, an open membership mm-hmm. where those questions are are free to ask yeah. on top of that i would love to have it where it's not um i think people fear a lot of well if i share this information you're going to pick it apart and tell me how wrong i am right. um or how behind i am yeah. or i should be doing something else um so the willingness to share where it's it's an open yeah. communication. Um, I think that has been a little bit of a hindrance. So I would like yeah. to see us kind of kind of like with kindness move forward yeah. and saying, okay, well, we've incorporated this and, you know, with these new regulations. And it is impossible for all of us to keep up with all the information that's mm-hmm. going on all the time and all these improvements. So, right. uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. you do see a lot of it, you know, people watching college sports and see somebody get hurt. And as an athletic trainer, your first thought is, oh, I had to manage that differently. And I really really want us to get away from that. Yeah. Uh, you know, Into like a judgment free zone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And just have it. Okay. Well, how do we, how do we support each other? Yeah. Um, you know, when, um, Colleen and I did CPR on a young man uh, a number of years ago, and immediately a number of athletic trainers reached out and said, we've been through the same thing. Here's what you're going to experience. Here's what. And it was such an amazing experience where you have that, you know, traumatic moment and then have these people reach out and say, we've been there. We've yeah. done it. Um, and not with, well, you could have done that wrong sure. or why didn't you do this earlier? Or, why didn't you do this? But OK, here's how we managed to have that support where it's that judgment free. I really would love to see us move to that 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 avenue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wendy, what can we do as Pat's members? Um, and I guess mainly this is probably for those in the college and university settings. But, you know, how can we help you achieve that goal? And correct me if I'm wrong, but it does sound like a lot of it may just be like we have to get a committee assembled. People have to step up and do that. But uh, so I guess that might be step one. But, you know, what else can we do? Uh, Absolutely. That is my primary goal and my primary step. That's what Mm -hmm. my biggest struggle has been is to get people to serve. Um, Understand that the demands of this committee are they are hopefully going to help you more than they mm-hmm. cause more work. Um, that the, the cost to benefit is, is worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I understand like you and I are both in the clinical setting. We're both in the same world. Right. We, uh, there is leeway. There is, if, if anybody has to call and reschedule something, trust me, I'm the first person to understand that. Yeah. If you can't make a meeting, I'm the first person to understand because there's going to be times where I can't, you know, yeah. my, I have a, a, a 10 year old who plays ice hockey. So wow. those games are all over the place. So sometimes six flexible. in the morning, sometimes oh, 11 at man. night. Yeah. I know what that ice <laughs> time is like. Yeah. 
It is crazy. It is crazy. And then you add on top of that, my 14-year-old plays football. And so having those responsibilities, even outside of this already strenuous workload, if anybody's going to understand that, I promise you, I'm not going to judge you for that. Mm -hmm. If we have to reschedule, if we need to be flexible, if I need to talk to you on your lunch break, we can do that. And what I'm asking um, is, is be willing to share those resources and be willing to you know, help, help your brother out, help mm-hmm. your sister out, help your coworker out, help your, help your family. Uh, and look at athletic training, not as a competitive within ourselves. We all were athletes. We all were competitive, but look at it as we are on the same team mm-hmm. as healthcare providers being on the same team and being willing to just step forward and maybe be a little vulnerable and sharing your SOP and maybe be a little vulnerable sharing your, your, um, uh, job description or sharing your posting and things mm-hmm. like that. Be willing to share that um, and and not jump to, you know, you, you see it a lot on the social media where, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to jump to that negative immediately and really just look at it from we're going to protect our family. We're going to take care of our family uh, and look at our group, college university athletic trainers is more of a, a our own team. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing, even if you don't have time to serve, even if you don't think that you're, you can share those things or you're not willing just start changing your viewpoint and looking at us as a team right yeah wendy what's the the best way for you know anybody that may be listening that maybe does want to get involved uh i'm looking at the email on the website collegepats at gmail.com is that functionable is that the best way to get in touch with you Yes, that, yeah. that email works. It's up yeah. and ready to go. We did have some uh, trouble early on. Yeah. We, uh, Millersville University got hacked last year, so oh. <laughs> our email got a little different. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I'm happy to share my cell phone number, mm-hmm. uh, and I will take text messages anytime. Obviously, text messages with anything else. Please make yeah. sure you put your name and tell me who it right. is. Uh, but I'm happy to share my uh, cell phone number. Um, it My office number goes right to my cell phone anyway, so okay. that is my hub. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, if you if you'd like, I can, uh, I, um, it's five, seven, zero, six, two, zero, five, zero, eight, seven. Shoot me a text, yeah. shoot me a text on the sideline, shoot me a text while you're, you know, eating your lunch. Uh, just be willing to reach out. And I, I like, that has been my, my biggest challenge is just finding people who are willing yeah. to serve. Even if you have just the desire to serve, reach out. I will yeah. find something that you can do. I will find, uh, like, if your willingness to share some some ideas, share some resources, I can make it happen for you. I'm going to give you the path. Yeah. <laughs> so le- leave that to me. Uh, I just need motivated people who, yeah. who want to share. So please yeah. reach out anytime. <laughs> I'm oh. clearly up early. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy, it sounds like a great opportunity. And like you said, I think there's a lot of benefit for this to keep moving forward and to continue with the momentum that you started. Um, so, you know, me, me myself uh, included, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, contributing in any way possible. Oh, thank you, Jason. I really have, I've appreciated your uh, reaching out. I mean, just even doing this podcast and letting people know that these resources are available. Yeah. It is, I, I think a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. And they don't know what the state organization can bring to them or how they can benefit from being part of PATS yeah. uh, or being part of a committee. Uh, not just what you can bring to the committee, but what the committee can do for you and what PATS can do for you. Um, I, I think a lot of them just don't know. So mm-hmm. it's it's great having that podcast and really getting it out yeah. there. So I appreciate you. Yeah. 
Well, thanks, Wendy. Again, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, good luck the rest of this week getting through some of this heat. I'm hoping it breaks by next week. But um, <laughs> We're talking about thunderstorms this weekend, right. so we yeah. move right from heat to thunderstorms. So, uh, it's got to yeah, be something. Exactly. Yeah. So so as long as we can be flexible, we, yeah. can, we can get through it. And yeah. we're going to get through it together as a group. So. Yeah. All right, Wendy. Well, thanks again. And to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in and join us next time. And remember, let's be better athletic trainers. 